Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 45 of the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. On today's show, Nass Lewis came on, and she is a flight attendant who runs the website Therapy, which focuses on flight attendant mental health. We talked about situations that had occurred in her life that had her spiraling downward, and she became a flight attendant to escape her problems. But as we all know, if you have mental health issues, if you have sadness, whatnot, you can't escape these things. They find you. You have to deal with them. We talked about the stigma of therapy in the United States, the black community and seeking therapists. We talked about how she works through her sadness, how therapy has helped her deal with the chaos of 2020, and how the airline industry is failing its employees regarding mental health issues. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have her on. Welcome Nass to the show. Hey everybody. Oh, I just hit my head. Hey everybody. Welcome Nass to the show. Nass, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, Joe. Oh yeah. No, I'm very excited to have you on because I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but um, I do love disgusting, disgust, disgusting. Listen, it's so, <laughs> listen, listen, you got me up early. I have, I've only had one cup of coffee. I'm usually still reading in the morning right now, but I'm, I'm, you got me working. <laughs> listen, you're on the wrong coast. You're on the wrong coast. You well, got to get up with us first. I'm in the middle of the country now. I'm in, I'm in Colorado, but still, yeah, um, it's, it's two hours from the East coast, but I'm good. I'm good. I might mess up some words, Nass. Do not be offended by anything I say. If I, if I start acting, well, you know what? I was just about to say, see, my God, I was about to, if I sound dumb like Donald Trump, don't hold it against me. But you know no, what? No. Everything goes at this point. He, he's already given us permission to just say whatever. So just go for it. That, oh my God. It's so, that's so true. It's almost like he, and I hate to say this, and I was just reading this article about bullies, but it's almost like he's unlocked the door to allow everyone to just forget kindness and, oh, yeah. and where you're rewarded for being an asshole. And that Definitely. boggles, that, that really boggles my mind. I, I, you know, <laughs> he is a clown, I will say, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, it's like, is this really what's going on? Is this a professional country or is this like a shit show? So which one is it? I don't know, but we're just going to just take it and run with it. But we're going to do it in a, a good way that people will still not feel like they're completely in a shit show, obviously. But you know what? We'll just go with it. 
I think of it as, you know, when you watch a TV show and, you know, you, you watch a TV show and every once in a while there's just an episode where you're like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. That's, oh, kind, of, that's kind of where I feel like the country is right now. But we have a lot of shitty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is like, damn, if this was a TV show, this shit would just take us off the air. This would be it. They would just be like, oh, yeah. y'all canceled. You're canceled now. Most definitely. <laughs> I've already, I've already gone off track. All right. So Ness, could you please let everyone know who you are and what you do? Well, 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 about me. There is so much, but I will start here. So as you said, my name is Ness. I was born in Jamaica many moons ago, and I migrated to the United States of America in 1998. Okay. And I've been here since, so this has probably been the place I've lived at the most. So it's home. Um, I currently now live in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, square smack dab in the middle of the country ish. It's the Midwest, but it's, I don't know why they think here is the Midwest. I think you would be more Midwest than anybody, but yeah. you know, just go with it. Um, <laughs> I became a fire attendant like six years ago. Um, and that literally was the propeller that pushed my life forward because I was on a downward spiral. Um, so I've just been a fire attendant the last six years, traveling all over the world, meeting so many great people, so many bad people, pretty much meeting everybody, but meeting probably some of my most best friends that I could have made over the last six years. Um, I'm a mom to an amazing 11-year-old that's in the other room doing e-learning, and I had to literally tell him, please don't bother me for the next hour. So, <laughs> for help. Um, and I also have a dog, a two-year-old dog named Kathy. He just turned two last week, and I thought when he turned two, he would be calmed down by now, but he's still hyper, so I'm waiting for that to calm down a little bit. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I love um, traveling. I love hanging out with my boyfriend every single day if I can, because since I've been on leave the last, what, three months, I have been at home and I literally just made a post today. Like, I feel like I'm losing my identity as a flight attendant because I haven't pushed a cart laid over anywhere or have to yell at someone that your bag doesn't fit. So it's been a great and, but also interesting change the last few months for me. But that's a little bit about me. I mean, I'm really just a big open book. I, I'm really, really active with my friends. I love brunching. Brunching has not been the same since COVID hit, but I've been trying to brunch on Zoom and all kinds of phone calls and things of that nature. But otherwise, I mean, that is really me. I've just been more inward lately um, with my life because we've had no other choice but to because no one is trying to be sick. Um, right. But otherwise, yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, a little snit, snitty bitty about Nostalgia. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, and this is going to be a great conversation because you're an open book and I love to read and I love to get really deep into books. So we're going to, I'm going to open your book up and that, God, that sounds so dirty, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So let's rewind for, for a minute. See, I'm trying to speak, trying to speak. Are you nervous though? No, Are you nervous? You know what? This is episode number 45. I am not nervous. I am. Do I make you nervous? Maybe. I don't know. No, I, um, I'm Your still waiting. Really I'm, 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 God, you sound so hot. No, um, I'm just, I'm still not awake yet. So, but let's rewind a few moments because you've been a flight attendant for six years. And the reason I have you on is because I wanted you to tell your story. I wanted to talk to you and you run an Instagram page called therapy, which is yeah. for flight attendants, mental health awareness. 
Um, but I want to rewind a few moments. You just said something before you became a flight attendant, you were spiraling downward. And I, I would, yes. um, can you go deeper into that? Like what was going on and where did you find yourself in a, what was going on in your life? Oh yeah, sure. So around like when I turned 24, 25 ish, I got married. I thought I was in love. Well, I didn't think I was. I was in love with this person, decided to get married. I wanted to start to, you know, have more kids, all those things. And before that, I went to a coaching where it changed my life. And I was literally on this high, like, oh my God, I finally am getting my life back. I'm dealing with all my childhood traumas, all those things. And so I met this man literally after that. So we got married. And we weren't even married for long. Like within six months, I found out he was cheating on me literally with his ex, I guess, ex-girlfriend from his childhood. And I found out after we went to Cedar Point just to, you know, have a little couple's trip or whatever. And my phone died on the trip and I went into his phone to get the pictures and a message came up saying, hey, babe, are you back yet? And I oh, was like, God. hey, babe, who is babe? And... I asked him the next day because the day that I found out, I just had to take a moment and he told me the truth and I filed for divorce and within three months, the divorce was final. And after we divorced at January and by September, he married her. So that literally was the catalyst that just set everything off. And I became severely depressed. My anxiety was through the roof and I applied for any job that would take me away from Indianapolis period. I just needed to get away and pretty much running from my problems, essentially. And becoming a flight attendant fell into my lap and became a flight attendant literally the next year after that. And oh my gosh, you would think that this job would be where you would just find yourself. Eventually, you have to face the music sometimes. And becoming a flight attendant, being away from home, a whole new lifestyle, oh my gosh, everything went further downhill. I started drinking just to not feel anything on layovers. Was just doing every possible thing to just run away from my internal problems. And it just got worse and worse. My attendance started slipping. I just call out. I didn't even have anything in FMLA at that point because, you know, you only qualify for that after one year. Right. And so I was just on the brink of, you know what, we're going to fire you because you are just not showing up for work. And I was like, you know what? Let me go to therapy. In my culture, being Jamaican, they always tell you, go drink some tea if you feel sick. There's no, oh, go see a doctor. Oh, just drink little tea. That's what they will tell you. And obviously that wasn't working. So in 2018 is where everything just set. It was just, everything was just becoming even worse and worse and worse. And finally in May, I said to myself, I can't be the only one feeling like this. Like what is going on with me? And I wonder if anyone else is feeling this way. So later in the year, like the following year, 2019, I decided to make a Facebook group. And the group, of course, is called Therapy. And it's T-H-A-I-R-A-P-Y. And really catchy, obviously, because, you know, we already know how therapy is spelled. But if you throw the air in it, it just makes it really um, identifiable to us because that's where we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so started the group and obviously you have to start with your story because you can't just start a group and be like, Oh, I just need y'all in here. I had to tell my story and I had to open up. And that was what literally started to set me free. Um, 
at re-enrollment last year, I was like, you know what? It's time that I get into therapy. I need to find a therapist SAP before this gets even worse because it was just internally, I was suffering so bad. My anxiety was going through the roof and my depression was just really, really deep. And I couldn't be there for my son. I couldn't be there for anyone. I was just in the dark. And I don't know if you've ever been in the dark where you feel like you can't see anything. You can't feel anything. I hope I don't cry on this podcast. Oh, my gosh, because I feel it coming. <laughs> no, no. Crying is great because it's really good for downloads. No. Oh. <laughs> so if you want, listen, I've actually cried on this podcast, so it's okay. Oh, my gosh. You be you, okay, honey. Great. This is where you be you. And can go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I started the group, and after a while, with me sharing so many flight attendants, and mind you, this is not specific to my my airline. I opened this group up to airlines all over the world, so you can find a diverse amount of representation in the group from overseas to United States based, the Caribbean, anywhere. And you will see that every single one of us has dealt with the exact same thing. Depression, anxiety, substance abuse. And a lot of these are job induced because a lot of us especially start out really young doing this job. And a lot of us have never even had any major life experiences. So we're literally all tackling this lifestyle of being away from home, being responsible, being alone. And loneliness is something I experienced very highly with this job. It was just, who can I talk to? You know, like, does anyone want to go on a layover with me? Do you want to, you know, something. So some of us end up drinking alone or in the room alone. So it was just so many things that propelled me to say, you know what? I need support from my peers who understand this job best. And that is how therapy came about was because I needed the support. I did it for myself, but I realized all of us needed it. And that's pretty much how therapy was born was out of my own need for peer support and being in a community of people that understood where I was coming from versus me dealing with it on my own. So yeah, that's the beginning of how it came about. (laughs) That, listen, I took like four sips of coffee. I think I'm awake now because, (laughs) and I have been writing down so much since you've been talking, but You talked about how, um, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. I really appreciate that. Before we started recording, you said something to the effect of, um, you you know, people are afraid to open up. People are afraid to talk about their mental health issues. And I'm, you know, I'm not like that. I'll say anything. You sound like you'll share your story. But what got you to the point where you felt brave enough or safe enough to be like, all right, I'm going to start this page and I'm the one who has to open up first. You know, I I think eventually everyone goes through a list of things that they decide, you know, let me try this. If this doesn't work, let me try this. And eventually you reach a place where you're just like, I can't do this alone anymore. There are some people who choose different routes and they could be either they end their life or it could be they just completely cut off the world or there's some people who are just like you know what let me just take a chance and that was where I was I was like you know what let me take a chance let me put my ego aside let me just not care anymore what anyone is going to think of me when I tell my story and that's the point where I reached I just didn't care anymore I was just like there has to be somebody else 
even if it's just one person that says, you know what, Nath, I feel the way that you feel. How can we support each other? And that was where I was. And I've always been very strong, but it came to a point where I couldn't be strong for myself anymore and just wanted to just try something. And this was a try for me. And it's probably the best thing I could have done for myself because it propelled me to be able to find a plan for myself because every year we have enrollment for insurance. I had no idea that mental health was included in my insurance plan. I never, ever looked, didn't care to. I just thought, oh, our plan is just to go to the doctor if I'm sick, if I broke something, X, Y, Z. I didn't, I had no idea until I made the group. And people were just like, hey, if you choose this plan for your specific airline, if you choose this one, it will cover 100% of your mental health care. And I had no idea. So when enrollment came in October, a friend of mine recommended a therapist to me. And then I looked on the plan when we enrolled and it said, oh, this is going to cover 100%. So I chose that one. And in January, January 11th was my first official day of therapy. And it's because of me sharing that helped me to find the correct plan to facilitate that. And I've been in therapy the last six months. And if it wasn't because of me opening up, I wouldn't even be at this place on this podcast with you to even talk about this right now. So I I just think you got to, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom and hope that when you hit rock bottom, you're able to come back up out of that. And I thank God that I am able to be, to say, Hey, I made it out. And now because I made it out, I can help and reach down at that rock bottom place and help someone else who's there. So yeah, that's, that that's I think that's just where you have to be where you find get to a place where you're like you know what it's time and realize that you're not alone it's just people are just scared to say it and I just want to be that advocate that says you can because we can it's just a matter of we just need to sometimes reach our hand out because people really feel like there's no one else reaching out to them but I want to be that voice and I want to be that hand that's constantly out. No matter how tired my hand will get from holding it out, that I'm here. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, no, um, did you? And you can cry. You know, one thing I always learned in therapy, you know, I've been in therapy for a decade. I took a few years off, but I've been in therapy longer than that, probably since 2006. But um, mm-hmm. one thing I learned was when you're with someone and they're going to cry, never tell someone don't cry. Mm-hmm. Don't ever say, don't cry. Oh, you don't have to cry. No, if you want to cry, fucking cry. Just be yourself. Um, I think that's such an important... And congratulations for being in therapy since January. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned when you became a flight attendant, you felt like you you were running away from your problems. But we all know that you cannot run away from your childhood trauma. It's going to follow you. I always, I always joke about, but I'm really serious. I always joke about if my mom was alive, I would be sending her my therapy bell because she's the one who screwed me up. Her and my father, my adopted father screwed me up and I'm paying for it into my forties now into my, Oh, look at me into my fifties now, almost trying to, trying to, trying to be 10 years younger. Cause I colored my beard. <laughs> Listen, you don't look anywhere close to that. I will say, oh. and I have seen your pictures. You are as beautiful as the day that you were born. Oh, stop it. But when did you <laughs> stop it? Now I'm blushing. Um, 
when did you, so you become a flight, you've been a flight attendant for six years, but you've only been in therapy mm -hmm. for six months. So yeah. at what point do you become a flight attendant? And is there one thing that happens where you're like, oh shit, I can't run away from these problems because even though I've gotten away from home and I've gotten away from my ex-husband and I'm living my life, these things are still haunting me. Was there like a moment where you realized, oh, I can't run away from this? For me, my issues really started to manifest themselves in my relationship with my boyfriend. And I will say that this is probably the first time I've been in an emotionally mature relationship where we actually communicate versus screaming at each other versus me being quiet versus me just being a recluse. I had to face the music, especially now, especially when I would deal with my you know, my parents or, and my life story is definitely one for a different podcast because it, it's, it's, I need to write a book about my own life, but that'll come at another time. Um, I had to literally face the music, especially my relationship, because I was reacting to a lot versus processing and just having a conversation. I would just react and shut it down and that's, that will be the end of it. And so I would go to work with all of these things. A lot of things were happening to me over the course of the last six years. And I would be like, why me? Like, why is this happening? Like, it, it just it just became a, I don't know if you've ever had a mosquito in your ear. And it's just like humming and you just keep hitting yourself and it just, it won't go away. It's like one of those things where it was becoming an annoyance to me. And it was manifesting itself in different parts of my life, different the way I was interacting with my child and just realizing the mother and the person that I don't want to be. And I just became just really uncomfortable on the inside and realizing that I was reacting to a lot of things that needed to be fixed. So going to therapy is the catalyst. And the first um, session I had, I was, I just pretty much cried 85% of the time. Part of me was like, what am I crying about? But I knew I was just hurting. I was in so much emotional pain and anguish. And those are things that I literally suppressed for years, Joe. I just did not face anything. I pushed it so far down into myself that I really just did not want to face that music. I just wanted that music to end. We put it in the file cabinet and put it in the deepest dungeon possible. But it kept on manifesting itself into different ways that I had no other choice but to fix it unless I wanted to be alone for the rest of my life and everyone hates me so I just had to do that but at the same time I'm always this energetic bubbly just fun person and nobody would know that I was going through all these things because I never showed it I hid it very well but on the inside and when I was with myself I hated who I was and who I was becoming and what I was feeling. I hated all of it. So therapy has been probably the best decision and best investment I could have made into myself for this year. Honestly. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm a, I'm a very big advocate of therapy. I just told my husband three days ago, I was like, you know, I'm back in therapy. You should go into therapy. Like I'm such an advocate. I think, I think everyone will benefit from some form of therapy. Definitely. Um, and the thing about it is you don't, there doesn't need to be anything wrong with you per se to go to therapy either. We should make that really clear. Yes. Like therapy is not for people who are mentally sick or who are 
whatever. You can go to therapy for anything. If you want to just sit there and just have a random conversation, go for it. But it is, just know that just because you see people who have mental health issues or X, Y, Z, that is the reason why they go. Everyone, it doesn't matter what it is, should be in some kind of therapy with an unbiased thought in the room with you. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree for sure. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that because I remember back in like, I would say 2000, my husband and I have been together, our 16th anniversary is in two weeks. But, um, Ooh, congratulations. Back, oh my God, it's so exhausting. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. No. Um, but I remember back in like, we got together in 04. So like around 06, we started noticing that we didn't have a lot in common, right? So we were mm-hmm. like, hmm. Why are we together? So we started going to therapy to find out like, why are we together? Should we be together? We were asking like serious questions. Like we have nothing, we don't really have anything in common. When in reality, we had a lot in common, but we didn't have the the normal things like, you know, oh, we love to do every single thing together. No, that that actually is not normal, right? So, but I can remember there's the stigma of therapy. And I remember we had gone to dinner with uh, my husband's parents, my in-laws, and we were like, oh yeah, we've gotten into therapy. And the first thing they said was, oh no, what's wrong? Oh, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, no, no, no. We're just trying to f- learn about each other. They're like, oh, okay. Right. But that is the stigma of I'm in therapy. Oh no, are you okay? Because- right. And that's why I talk about it all the time. On this podcast, I'm always like, oh, me and my therapist, my therapist. I'm always talking about it because I want people to realize it's okay. It doesn't mean you're so fucked up you're going to jump off a building. It means, exactly. hey, we all have problems from our childhood. And I love that you made, you, you commented about something about it just kept bubbling up like a mosquito in your ear. And it's a myth that people believe like, well, if I ignore it, it'll go away. No, it never goes away. Never. Never. Mm -hmm. That is like so important for people to know. Like if you had a traumatic thing, if you had a, if you have any kinds of problems or, you know, sadness, depression, whatever, it is not going to go away. No, it's not. It's going to, it's going to knock on your door. Like, hello, let me in whenever it can. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and, 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 I feel like the majority of us, I mean, if you're lucky to not have to experience like childhood traumas and things of that nature, like great, but everybody has something. Every No one's life is without some kind of strife of any kind. Everyone has dealt with something, whether that be at work, at home. But I just really cannot wait until we get to a point where mental health is okay to talk about. Like, especially being in the black community myself, we therapy is not something that is a high topic. It's either you pray about it, drink tea, don't talk about it because you're going to embarrass the family. Um, keep it secret. Those are the kind of societal issues based on the black demographic that we have to deal with. And, you know, a lot of different issues bring up the mental health issue because more like what is I just read a statistic the other day like one in five black or African American people in the U.S. are in poverty and poverty is a big case for mental health because we have children that are seeing their parents go through X Y Z and then it manifests itself into something else later on and then we put kids on medication because they're going through this they're going through that so whether that rather than hey let's just think of maybe going to talk to a licensed therapist someone who can deal with these kind of things but we hide these parts of ourselves and so many millions of 
people are going through mental anguish, dealing with traumas, and we manifest those things in our jobs, at, at, at just anywhere in the world. And then we, when we meet people and you get married to people, you're just like, ooh, really? Oh, yeah. And then you don't think therapy. We just think, oh, we'll just deal with it in some other way. But we don't really realize how beneficial therapy is. And I think that's why all these mental health organizations are trying to end the stigma because I have seen the effects of going to therapy in my own life. It has been a tremendous, listen, Joe, therapy has set me free. And I know that it can do it for someone else. It may take time because I wasn't like this six months ago. I literally was a basket case of emotions and couldn't even control myself. I can clap the drop of a hat. Now I've been given so many tools to be able to go through my thoughts. And don't get me wrong, I could still cry. I can't. <laughs> but it's not as a painful cry, you know. But I just really want, especially for the Fadatina community, to be able to, you know, to speak up. Because our work group is very unique, and you know that. We are a unique set of people. But at this point, I am just really tired of the different airlines, whether that be corporate, private, military, whatever. They're not focused on this portion of our life. They will be quick to send you to the employee assistance program, and they leave it at that. Whatever else happens after you call them is your business. But they're, and they don't, they don't talk about all the flight attendants that are ending their life that are going into substance abuse. And obviously, we know confidentiality is definitely um, paramount. We want to keep people's privacy. But we need to know that there, there is support. A lot of flight attendants won't go in and say, I need help. Because one, they're afraid of being under the radar, being fired not feeling like they're being supported as far as, um, you know, going to rehab or being, you know, no one is there holding our hand. It's like they're telling you, go, go. But where am I supposed to go? I need help. Hold my hand and help me. None of these corporate companies are holding anyone's hand. And that's the reason why I feel like I needed to do something and hold as many hands as possible until my hand gets tired. Yeah. When you're flying, so, now, you haven't flown since when? Since the end of March, oh my goodness. I've been on leave. I took a voluntary leave. Oh, well that, yeah. I was on one of those before I retired also. But do you, when you're working, when you were working, do you find yourself being the onboard therapist to your coworkers? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I did. I know you know about jump seat therapy. It, jump seat therapy is real. I have cried on the jump seat. I have you know, bared my soul on many a jump seat across many different aircrafts in my six years. And it has been beneficial for me and beneficial for, you know, crews that I have flown with. And yeah, it's def definitely a real thing. Listen, I found out my boyfriend was cheating on me um, maybe like five, like, I would say five years ago on the jump seat. So I was leaving LA and coming back to base and I got a message on Facebook from some random girl at the time saying that I'm with her boyfriend. And I'm like, hey, that's my boyfriend. What do oh you my. mean? I bawled my whole entire eyes out from Los Angeles all the way back to the Midwest, literally crying my eyes out. And thank God, 
the senior mama in the back literally held me on the jump seat while I cried my eyes out. I'm like, listen, so things happen at work. We bring things to work and we let it all out on those jump seats. So yes, I have been the recipient as well as I have given to fellow crew members as I've been flying over the last six years. So yeah, definitely a real thing that jump seat therapy is, and it's great. It really is. <laughs> oh yeah. I've, um, it's so funny when I would be working with someone and, um, it would, it would be like a, say a four day trip. And on day, like three in the morning, we'll meet down for the van and they'll, one of them will look at me and say, oh, you're flight attendant Joe, aren't you? It took me three days to figure it out. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And then once they know we're in the back and they're like, can I talk to you about my boyfriend? And I'm like, hold on girl, let me bring this diet Coke out and I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love that stuff. But also, and I, because I host a podcast, I'm very, very nosy. But also, I love to just let people, you know, sometimes people just want to talk about their problems. They just, yeah. they just need a lending ear. My question to you is, and something that I've struggled with that I'm getting a little bit better handle on is when somebody shares their trauma or their whatever they're going through, for so many years, I would take it on as my own. I would mm-hmm. like, if I had a friend who was going through a, a divorce for say, or had a bad relationship, we would get off the phone and I would be stressed. I would be anxious. I would like, it would almost push my problems aside. And instead of mm-hmm. be focused, it was almost like, yay, now I have something else to stress about, or I have something else to be upset about or panic about. Did you ever experience that or have you always been able to say, oh, this ain't my problem. I can listen, but I'm not going to own it. Definitely. I think that's what we call an empath. A lot of us are empaths and we don't really realize it. And I think a lot of airlines hire a lot of empaths because we have the ability to understand or feel what another person is experiencing, you know, and that can be a gift and a curse sometimes because we take things literally and to the point. I am one of those people where I can literally feel energy. I can walk on an aircraft and I can assess the whole entire energy of that plane and it could be either good or bad and I'll process it and move on from that because you know what, this is what it's going to be Then we're going to go from there. But I have been in situations where, you know, crew members have shared things with me and I have taken it to heart and it has stressed me out. And I wouldn't say that's a bad thing because I really, really do care about people. I really care about people's feelings. My biggest goal in life is I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want my feelings hurt, so I don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings. So it is very, very, very normal as an empath to take it on and really feel it and feel the weight of what people are going through. And sometimes you're like, what do I do with this information? Like, how? And, and my thing is, what can I do to help them? And sometimes it really isn't our problem. Sometimes you have to tell people, like, you know, what do you think about this? Would you want to see a therapist? Like, what is your plan? Because honestly, Joe, what can we do other than listen? You know, what can we do? And sometimes that's all some people need is just someone to hear them. And that's it. And then there's some people who are just like, what do you suggest? And then you have to say, you know what? I'm not a licensed therapist. There isn't much advice I can give you. But hey, here's this. How about, you know, reaching out to crisis text line and text their number or, you know, the suicide prevention line or 
just some resource. And that's mainly what therapy is about, too, is giving resources because I'm not a licensed therapist. Yes, I have a bachelor's degree, but I am not licensed to give you medical advice of any kind. But, hey, I can give you what I have done. So being an empath can be a gift and a curse. And one thing I will never do is tell, you know, you know, listen, that's not my problem. I just can't hear that right now. I, I just don't want to do that. That sounds really mean. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I would, oh, yeah, and I would hate for somebody to tell me that. I'm like, you know what? You are not okay. And why are you a flight attendant again? <laughs> like, right. for real. So, yeah. So being an empath definitely can be a gift and a curse. And it's a great gift because I think empathy goes a long way for humanity. And people always think, you know, like, if everything is black and white. Yes, sometimes it is. But empathy and humanity should go hand in hand because all of us are in this together. There is nobody that should be out here alone in the world, period. Everyone should have somebody that they talk to. If we're walking down the street, I don't even have to know you to say, hey, how's it going? You know, right. it should be a normal thing that you see a person, whether they're black, white, blue, green or whatever, and say, I see you. And I think that is the main thing that people want to feel. They want to feel seen and they want to feel heard. And I want the flight attendant group to be seen and heard because you know, people just walk on board, you even say good morning and they walk past you like they didn't, you didn't need to say a word to them. I hate it. Oh, because, you gotta tri- uh, you got, you're about to trigger me. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I just got triggered. I literally oh, felt my heart rate just listen, go off a few I totally get it. Like, I live in this world, like I remember hearing a long time ago, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, where, you know, you should always say hi to somebody you're walking by because you never know what mood they're in. You saying hi and acknowledging them could stop them from committing suicide. Like you never know mm-hmm. the state just being kind to someone. But let me tell you something. When I say hi to you and you ignore me, I want to turn around and stab you. It's just like that. I'm like, hi, good morning. Ignore. Now I'm going to cut you. But... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, of course, that's me being a being a jokester. But you, um, I you you're hitting on such great points about like when you're listening to someone, when you're talking to someone, you don't want to give them advice. I always ask when I'm on the jumpstart, even in, even when I have a conversation with my friends, like if a friend texts me and they're like, "I really need to talk to you," I'm like, "All right, give me a second. And when they call, they get on the phone. I'm like, "Okay, are you just venting, or do you want mm-hmm. advice of what I would do?" I always ask mm-hmm. that because I've had problems with friends where they've called me and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And then I start giving advice. They're like, well, I didn't need your advice. I just want, oh, you just wanted a vent. Okay, well, then then say that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're coming to me like I'm dating the I'm dating the captain and his wife's mad that he's dating me, I'm going to probably want to give you some advice. Like, Ooh. break up. That just happened on, before I retired, I was, um, I was in the back job seat reading a book. And the girl I was working with was talking, the captain was her boyfriend. And we were talking and talking and talking about him and everything. And I was asking questions because I'm nosy. And then finally, I was just like, is he married? Oh, Jesus. And she was like, yes. And I was like, all right, let me put my book down. Let me get me a Coke. (laughs) Let me get me a Coke Zero and get comfortable on this jump seat. Not take a Coke zero is your thing. It's your jam. No, um, I try not to drink soda, but on the airplane when I would work and I was just craving something carbonated, I would have like a Sprite Zero. Oh, yeah. I'm a Dr. Pepper girl. Oh, Mm -hmm. my airline didn't have Dr. Pepper. But let me tell you, every time you fly into Texas, they're like, can I have a Dr. Pepper? I'm like, we don't have it. So 
Trust me, and they only gave us like six of those. So if you didn't get one, sorry. <laughs> and all those six went in your bag. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're like, you know what? Maybe listen, one or two. Listen, listen. You just you're just doing you're just doing service at ten thousand feet. Can I have a Dr Pepper? We're all out. We just took off. Don't ask so many damn questions. Turn this <laughs> turn this plane around. Okay, so let's get serious. So. um you know, I can, um, NASA, I can only stay serious for like 10 minutes and then I That's have okay. to, I have to be ridiculous. It's my, it is my valve when I feel overwhelmed and I'm, I don't feel overwhelmed right now, but it is my valve. That's like programmed into me ever since I was a little kid that mm-hmm. every little, every once in a while, you've just gotta be, I've gotta be silly or say something ridiculous. I have to make someone laugh. It kind of balances out the, um, how do I say it? All the noise in my brain. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go back to when you mentioned black people and being in therapy and one out of every five black people are, live in poverty, which mm-hmm. is a reason to be in therapy. Cause that is, that'll mess you up. I have been reading a lot of Toni Morrison's books lately. I'm on my fourth oh, one right now, The Bluest Eyes. Yeah, she's fantastic. And in her books, she really talks a lot about, of course, they're all fiction, but I believe they're based on true life um, in the black mm-hmm. community in those times periods. And in her book, Home, which was her last book she ever wrote, it's about a girl she's working, I think it's like World War II. No, it's Korean War time. And um, mm-hmm. this girl gets an infection because she's working for a doctor and he's doing, he, she's working, this black girl is working for this white doctor and he's doing all these weird experiments on her vagina and in her cervix. And she gets really, in, mm-hmm. she gets, oh, she almost dies. So wow. her brother comes and saves her and brings her back home to his, their aunts and stuff. And they, they treated her, the women treated her like it was her fault almost. And mm-hmm. When you talked about black people, they don't talk about therapy and stuff like that. It made me think of that. Is there some, is there a, in the, in the black culture, is that a sign of weakness? Like if you're in therapy, if you're in pain, it's kind of like buck up, you know, deal with it, move forward. We've, we've been through harder things. I mean, basically, yes. And like I said, I have it from both experiences. I am Jamaican by birth. Um, and of course the culture and everything, but everything is rooted around the church and around being spiritual and being leaning on God for a lot of sustenance and, you know, just strength. And I grew up in the church too. And I've become more spiritual as I've gotten older versus religious. I don't really subscribe to a lot of religious norms, but I just believe in kindness, love, and, you know, forgiveness, all those things that, you know, fuel people and who they are and myself of forgiveness and just loving people for who they are. Like, I don't care what you want to do. Like you're whoever's decisions, like you do what you do and leave me alone. I'm going to do what I want to do. Just don't come over here trying to throw your X, Y, Z on me. But in the black community specifically, everything is rooting around the church around, you know, just not talking about these things, especially with black men. You know, we're t- we, t- we tell them, don't cry. You don't need to cry about this. You don't need to do all those things. And we suppress our emotions. And it, it, it becomes a problem where we hide all of these feelings and nobody talks about them. And because no one talks about them, they manifest themselves in different ways. And 
if you're a person that's impoverished, you're homeless, you're incarcerated, you have substance abuse issues, you're at a higher risk for having poor mental health. That's just basic, you know? And because of those things and all these negative stereotypes that are attached to it, nobody goes and gets help for these issues because it's not something we grew up with. It's not something that is encouraged. You're just encouraged to pray. Just pray about it. Oh, God will help you. Oh, God is going to be there. We, Of course, I believe in those things. But I believe there's a part in the Bible that says, if you're sick, see a physician. And it doesn't have to be a physician of a doctor that can fix your broken leg. It means for the mind, your body, your spirit. See somebody for those things because it's very important. And I wish that community would really rally around this. But as of recently, this is becoming a a movement where there's so many organizations currently that are pushing for the black community and people of color to seek mental health services. And it's beautiful to see because there is so much going on. My mental health has been so affected by all of the, what can I say? The racism, the, the George Floyd situation, it has been affected by just my own mental health, but just being a black woman and being told that, you know, it's just, Joe, Joe you yes, must open up a whole can of worms right now. Go ahead. I it's mean, just, I, I'll go fishing. <laughs> it's just really, we want to be heard. We want to say, I'm suffering. This hurts me. Please don't try and justify my hurt just because you don't understand it. Hear me when I say, this is how I feel. I feel that you. Why are you being so aggressive? Why does it have to be that? And I've had to deal with that a lot at work too, where just because of the culture of where I come from, if you disagree, you're being aggressive. And those are a lot of microaggressions that we have to deal with just because we feel then it comes across stereotypical that I would be this way because of the color of my skin. So being heard is not just a problem for our own community. It's just a a worldwide stigma where we are based on because of your black, because you're this, because you're that, this is how it is. No, I want you to hear what I say. When I say that I have feelings of sadness, I have feeling of hopelessness and worthlessness because of X, Y, Z of what I've, I've dealt with in my upbringing, like that young lady you're talking about in the book, we hide everything because we know that no one will listen. It's time that people listen to everyone's experiences and don't try to justify it or change it to fit your narrative because it's not about you. As if you're an advocate for basic humanity, that should be the baseline of any conversation is that you say, I hear you, Joe, I hear you. I may not understand it. I may not have the privilege to even be in that place, but I hear you and I see you. How can I support you? That's pretty much it. That's all people need to say. And even in our own community, this is something that we have to learn. I see you. I hear you. How can I support you? Period. Nothing else. Now, Nothing you, at all. When you say community, do you, are you talking flight attendants? Are you talking black community? Are you talking in the, the United black States? Black community, flight attendant community, the United States, America, South America, North America, Europe, Russia, Asia, everybody. I, I want to hear it. Let, let, let's take, for instance, COVID. Mm -hmm. We have a orange person in office 
that has literally ridiculed the Asian community and has been calling it the Chinese virus, this offensive thing that literally demean and make a community of people feel small. And there have been a lot of aggressions against Asian people because of this. And then when, when, and when, then when they speak up and say, this hurts me, we say, well, it's from your country. It's from, those are not things that are okay to say, Joe. Like, we're not hearing them when they say we're hurting them. So at the end of the day, every single community of people are dealing with some form of mental health issues, some form of microaggression, some form of racism, some form of, some ism is there that we need to listen and take it all in and put our privileges aside for whatever amount of time you need to and just listen. And I just had a meeting with my company um, a few weeks ago where the black community really has been feeling very unheard and not listened to as far as a lot of racial things that's been happening within the flight attendant work group. And it's around social media with what's being said, with, you know, all the stuff with George Floyd, all those things. And the meeting was pretty much about what is the company doing right now to prevent or to address these issues and fight attendants that are speaking very ill. And how do black people fare at work while we're having coworkers who are supposed to support each other in the event of an emergency? How do we cope with that? And there are so many excuses given, like, you know, we have to make sure that we um, pull them aside and, you know, social media and just excuse after excuse after excuse. So it bears the question, do you even care about the people of color that you employ? And how do we fare at work working alongside people that don't care about my existence? Like, how do we do this? So, so many conversations need to be had right now where we are listening and there's not a lot of listening. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, they always say people listen to respond instead of listening to understand. There's a lot more of listening to respond. That's all that we're getting these days is response, response, response. There's no backing and there's no solution behind it. There's just a lot of, well, I think, well, I think, well, I think versus what do you need? There's no, what do you need happening? So Listen, I can go on and on about this all day. No, it's it's good because, well, you know, I firmly believe the airline industry is very toxic to people's mental health because Ooh. it's it's it, it's um they they don't solve problem. I always say the airline industry is reactive, not proactive. So Ooh, that's a good one. They they like to put band aids on everything, thinking mm-hmm. thinking that. Okay, we solved this problem. But what happens to Band-Aids? They crumple up, they get wet, they fall off. Mm-hmm. Boom. You still have the problem. You haven't solved any problems. And I think, you know, I I used to be a flight attendant supervisor and a long time ago and for two years. And um, very stressful two years. But I can remember mm-hmm. I would, most of the flight attendants would come into my office and just sit down and talk. Like mm-hmm. I was... I would just listen. They would talk about everything, whether it was their dog was sick. Like I had people that would come in and they would be like, my cat cro- my cat just died. I don't know if I can work this flight. And I would be like, well, you know what? 
I have two cats, and if one of them died, I'd be out for a week. So I'm going to remove you from this trip. Go home. Take care of yourself. The airplanes will fly no matter what. We will find mm-hmm. someone else. Go take care of yourself. And, you know, a lot of people appreciated that. Now, I'm not saying I was the best flight attendant supervisor, but I was. <laughs> I mean, but you're, 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 you're limited to what you can do as well because you're also, you know, being watched by the right. uppers who are, you know what I mean? So right. there's only so much you can do, and we understand that. But I think it needs to. There needs to be more done for flight attendants specifically, as we are dealing with a job that takes us all over the place, different time zones, different this, different that. How do we cope? Like they're not giving us any tools. They're just saying show up to work. If you're sick, I don't know what to tell you, but this point is going to be on your record. And what are you going to do? So they expect you to have no life whatsoever. Like none. It's everything is the airline, the airline, and your life comes second. And I had to realize that can't happen. I'm sorry. Where is FMLA? <laughs> now, what do you think? Do you have any ideas of just one idea of what the airline industry could do to help people with their mental health issues as flight attendants, pilots? You know, at my airline, we had a period a couple years ago where, like, there was a pilot committing suicide, like, every two or three months. And I was like, what the hell is happening? What is happening? This makes no sense to me. So what do you think the airlines could do? Just one thing that would help. I remember when we, when I first started, they used to have like this flight assistance, flight attendant assistance program where literally they don't just store you in there. They literally have someone that comes on the flight with you or you fly with someone who's a part of the program to help you you know, set up, help you with, you know, your living situation or just give you advice and just resources on what to do. They phased that out probably a few months after I started and you just have to figure it out and use each other. I think a good solution would be to have a specific, because, you know, they always have teams for everything. There's a uniform team, there's a food and beverage team, there's, there's teams for everything. I believe that they need to have a specific like mental health coalition that focuses on tools that they can have for flight attendants to be able to come there. And it's, of course, confidential, but at the same time, there will be no penalization for it. And I think either it's going to have to be an outside source or an inside, but none of this can get back to the company is my whole thing because people don't want to be on the company radar, period. Nobody wants their dirty laundries aired and have it on their record that, oh, at such and such a date, this flight attendant came in and they, whatever. So if they decide to fire you for something, they have something that they're like, oh yeah, they've been suffering from this this whole time. They probably have to go. I just think that there needs to be a team of people who formulate a plan that flight attendants can be able to come and be supported. There needs to be people trained either in company, in the company or outside that they can go to at the drop of a hat that says, hey, I need help. Can you please help me? And every base should have one where people feel comfortable to come and say, I need help. Though there are thousands of flight attendants that need help, but no one is saying anything. Thousands and thousands of them. There are people every single week that are coming into the group on Facebook um, asking, hey guys, do you guys have a suggestion for a therapist? 
there needs to be a place where besides calling EAP, because not everyone even knows about it. People think that there's nothing available to them. Yes, EAP exists, but after EAP exists, they, they literally just like, oh, call these seven therapists and see if they can help you. And a lot of us are like, you know what? Well, I'll call tomorrow. And tomorrow never comes. I am still trying to formulate a way to have a solution. And I don't want to talk about it because, like I said, it's something that's been brewing and it's in the works right now that I'm building um, for the flight attendant community. Uh, we'll talk about that out there. Um, that is going to be really beneficial. But I just think there needs to be a thing that is available to flight attendants, whether that be on their flight attendant tablet, a phone number in their phone, a something that is available 24-7 that is going to be able to help flight attendants. And I, I like I said, it's going to be monumental and it's very, very necessary. But companies need to have a thing, whether that be an app, whether that be a something, a person that they know that is available to them in the event that they need help because EAP is not enough. It really isn't. So are you talking like, we'll you know, see. you know how, um, like say you're working a flight and mm -hmm. drug and alcohol shows up and you're like, I'm an alcoholic before they drug test you. And then they say, all right, well, we're going to put you in the program. Um, we're not going to fire you. We're going to put you in the program. Or th at least that's how it worked at my airline. Like if they knocked on the door and you opened the aircraft door and they're like, we're here to drug test you. I'm an alcoholic. You went immediately into the drug and alcohol program that they put you in. Do you think that mm -hmm. there needs to be something like that for mental health regarding someone just says, I'm having some issues. My husband just passed away and I am having some issues. I don't need to be fired. I need some help. Do you think that mm -hmm. the airline is missing that boat of helping their employees? I definitely, I definitely feel like there needs to be that because I have a flight attendant uh, colleague that um, had a similar issue to that where it was a substance abuse issue and they have since been let go from um, the company. Um, he did not feel supported in any way. He was pressured really to resign. He, well, they didn't fire him. Obviously, they don't want to, I think, that to do with unemployment. All kind of things. You know, they're just trying to protect their butts versus Absolutely. helping someone. So they pretty much forced him to resign and just let him go out there. You know, no support of any kind. Another situation where that happened, and this person committed suicide literally a week after they let them go. Oh, no. no yeah. Aww. No support. No nothing. And so that idea is something that really needs to happen because, listen, a lot of us are out here doing a lot of things that we're not supposed to do, but we, have, we find ways to cope, and they may not be the healthiest ways to cope, but we do it. And as far as the company's concerned, we just need to make sure our DOT um, certifications are up top and in shape. And you are a threat to that. You have to go, period. There is no humanity in this business. It's a cutthroat business. And they let go who they need to let go. And business goes on as planned. So I think that's the reason why a lot of flight attendants do not um, call the employee assistance program is because they don't feel supported and they don't feel like you know, anyone will hold their hand to get there. But just like there is that, um, what do they call it? FDAP, the flight attendant drug and alcohol program. They have that. 
And they also have wings of sobriety, which is like, you know, if you have um, alcoholic issues or anything like that, it's like a a 12-step flight attendant program, and it's peer mentorship. So you can always join that. There's many different services available, but the company does not make them known because they hide everything. There is no transparency. So I think if people knew that there were other people going through the same thing, they will be more inclined to say, hey, can I go to Wings of Sobriety? Can you refer me to the flight attendant drug drug and alcohol assistance program because I need help? No one is saying that because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, and I'm, I'm so glad that you kind of answered my question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, I was going to say, why do you think people don't take the initiative to get out there and get help? Um, Honestly, yeah. I, I really believe it's a case by case basis. Um, it, 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 this job is one that changes you it it matures you in a lot of different ways and I think a lot of us don't take advantage of some of these things because one we're embarrassed two we feel alone and three we don't trust the company that we work with there is no like I said there's no transparency and because there's none of those three things a lot of us would rather do it on our own. And there is still a stigma attached to mental health in general, where we're just like, no, I'm okay. It's just a little episode. I'm all right. Like we still have that stigma attached to it, that mental health is still something that we are hush hush about. And we need to, and like I said, I am trying to do my part to talk about it and make it okay because it is okay. But a lot of us are still coming from a culture of, we don't talk about that. This is not something we talk about. We just keep it in-house and you just deal with it. Let me just have a drink and that'll just smooth it out and I'll just deal with it tomorrow. So there's many different personal reasons why everyone is not coming forward, but it's at the point now where too many of us are losing our lives behind this and we people just don't want them knowing their business. That's just it. Nobody wants anyone to know their personal business that they're going through things because, especially on social media, you see all of a lot of flight attendants' um, news feeds, and it's beautiful. We're on the beach. We have a nice cocktail. We're posting all the great things, but nobody posts the tough moments. Nobody posts them because our whole objective is to make our lives look as beautiful as possible, and we just deal with the mental health portion of it in silence. So it's, it's, I think, I I think a lot of people drink to hide that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you're saying, you know, everyone uses social media to promote their exciting lives. And if you ever Mm -hmm. really think about it, like, like when you sit down and you think, think of all the people, you know, right. And who you really know, and they're all a little fucked up. Everybody's got problems. But when you go Mm -hmm. on social media, you would think everyone's lives are Reese Witherspoon or Oprah. Like, exactly. I just worked with you and you're falling apart. You are literally (laughs) falling. I don't even know how you make it on the airplane. But if I went on your Instagram, I would think you had everybody's shit together. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Every, you would never even guess because a lot of us are functioning alcoholics, functioning drug addicts, 
Because a lot of, I, I literally used to use like sleeping pills just to sleep at night because one, I couldn't sleep half the time during international and just being on the other side of the country and things of that nature. But there's so many of us literally functioning off addictive prescription drugs, sleep medication, opioids, opioids to manage pain for whatever it is that we're going through. I mean, some of, we have an open bar on the plane, for God's sake. We don't know what people are doing. I've been on flights where a crew member did not show up for a pickup, got to the airport, and they reek and smell of alcohol, literally. And when we got to base, because they were late and we called and XYZ, when we got to base, they were pulled for a drug test. And who knows what happened to that person? I haven't seen them since. But I'm saying things are going on that nobody knows about because no one is 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 asking and no one is telling. And it's none of our business either. And my whole job is not to ruin anyone's livelihood or put anyone's job in jeopardy. I decide that will not be my thing. But I just believe that there's so many of us going through a lot of different um, things. And we just don't feel supported and heard, so we just keep it silent. And I just think it's time that the airline industry realizes what's going on. And mind you, across the whole world right now, a lot of us are probably going to be furloughed, myself being one of them. Um, In the next few weeks, I'll find out if I'll be furloughed or still be able to keep my job. You know, there's some of us who have been let go, some of us who have been fired or furloughs forever, airlines closing, all those things are taking an impact on our mental health. But is all these companies focused on that? No, they're not sending out any messages of encouragement, of trying to boost company morale. There's none of that, Joe. We're just left out here to just wait and see what our fate is in the next coming month. October 1st is going to be a date where all of us are going to be like, what do I do now? You know, I've been brushing up my little resume with my little bachelor's degree to say, hey, I might have to go sit at somebody's nine to five. That is really affecting me because I've been a free bird for six years with nobody telling me what to do. If I want to just go on a plane and go to Mexico and sit on the beach for one day and come back, I probably won't be able to do that. I'm freaking out on the inside. <laughs> so every time someone asks me, hey, Matt, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just taking it one day at a time because I have no other choice but to do that. So. At this point, we're all going through a lot. I just bought like six bottles of wine last week. So. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm reti- <laughs> listen. Can I tell you something? If you want to be, I'm I'm retired now, and I I love my edibles, and they are actually the greatest thing that's ever <laughs> has ever got me through this year so far. I'm like, oh, thank God, I could pop a couple gummies at the end of the night and just relax. Now, let me ask you. You started therapy in January. It's almost like the universe was telling you now is the time. Where do you think you would be right now if you hadn't started therapy in January and we were at the current state of affairs we are now with COVID, with the election, with the racial disparity in the world, which is not new. It's been going on for 400 years, but... You know, it's okay. almost, it's almost, yeah, that's the funny part when people are like, I don't know how this happened. I'm like, bitch, open a book, fucking read a book, listen, listen, listen. learn some, learn some history, happened. learn some history. That's all you got to do. The, the civil rights movement was just in 1960. It's not that far off. Google. Like we literally are just, just bridging, not even bridging the end of the cake, but no. listen, that's another story for another day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to a friend 
a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know, there are people alive right now. There are people in this country alive whose grandparents were slaves. We are <laughs> not, don't tell people to get over it. We're so close to slavery that there's people alive whose grandparents were owned. So. Oh, definitely. Under, like, and from what you said before, it's like, take a moment just because you might not be black or you might not have that experience. Just saying mm -hmm. to someone, I don't know what you're going through, but I see you and I can only imagine how painful it is. And I'm here for you if you need something. Exactly. And I mean, one so of the greatest, because when we have a certain privilege, it, it, it kind of blinds us from really seeing things from other people's perspective. You know, it, it really, it really is a sickness, honestly. I mean, one of the greatest, John Lewis just died and this man was hosed, dogged, all, he dealt. He lived through that. We will never be able to say a dog chased me. I was hosed in the street. But this is obviously happening now with tear gas and police literally running through crowds of people with cars and over us fighting for a certain for Black Lives Matter. And at the end of the day, I I haven't experienced my own you know fair amount of prejudice and racism. Um, being an immigrant in this country and you know, being one of 10 black people at my high school when I first started high school. It's and it's in the Midwest. Indiana is literally the home of the KKK. They still march at my old university at Sample Gate every year still and in the name of free speech and their right to rally. And this is okay. A racist group of people in hoods marching at a university, like it's still allowed. So we still have a long way to go. And this is affecting the mental health of black people. It is. And that's the reason why there has been so many groups of people and organizations popping up now to make this a initiative that we need to focus on the mental health of black people. Because right now we see what's going on and it's not good. Because there, I think they said 4.8 million black people have reported having a mental illness. Like that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And we're not even the majority, but that is a lot of people who are going through things. And guess what? A lot of them are not taking advantage of mental health because not everybody has access to uh, insurance, right. to mental health insurance. A lot of us out here are just freewheeling it. And But like I said, it doesn't just apply to just black people. Everybody needs to take advantage of this in some form. Because just because it doesn't affect, because just because, I'm black and I need it. Doesn't mean that you seeing all these things on TV doesn't affect your mental health too, Joe. Because I'm sure you feel some kind of feeling when you're watching people on television being literally a man kneeling in the neck of, a, of another human being, and he's saying, "I'm hurting. I can't breathe." And he's we we watch this man die on national television. How is this okay? How 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 can you say this does not affect your mental health? It Absolutely. does. Oh yeah. When I, um, when I watch things like that on TV, when I, when I watch the news, I try not to watch the news as much as possible. But when I do, the first thing that flashes through my head is we've learned nothing from our past. Yeah. This country, the United States of America has learned nothing from the past. Now I do want to say that I do believe there's more, and this is a struggle, but I have to remind myself, there's more good people than bad people. It's just the bad people are loud as fuck. 
<laughs> so, because if I, if I, st- why are you laughing? Tell me. Just the way I said because, it. Because, you know, yes, but it's just, I just wish we could just say there's just good people and then the bad people can just be on a planet by themselves right. and face them. Because if I, if I tell myself, if I really soak into this negativity in the world, I am going to be in a really dark, nasty, negative place. So I have to yeah. remind myself, like, you know what? Yes, the assholes are really loud. The assholes are the loudest group, right? Oh, yeah. And we have, we actually have, as Joe Rogan calls Trump, the king of assholes is the president. So you've allowed assholes to be as loud as possible. So it makes people think, oh my God, oh my God, there's so many awful people in this country. But I do believe there's more good people. I have to tell myself that. It's just that these loud people are in control right now for some fucking reason, excuse my language, after I've said the F word 20 times. (laughs) Um, But that's how I communicate. But um, I have to remind myself that. And I think that's important for everyone, like especially people who have experience a lot of sadness because they watch the news and they think, where we haven't learned anything. Where are we heading? I always have to say, you know what? There's probably, there's more good people than bad. It's just those bad people are really damn loud. Right. And the media does not help either. They really run after the bad stuff. They give them a, it, they give them a platform. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, they literally make all of this even worse. And for all those Fox news, CNN, everybody, they, they report everything bad and there is no, we don't get to see the parts where that are important for humanity to say, you know what, there's hope, there's hope. All we're seeing is all of that. And that's why I don't watch news. The majority of the news I get is probably from social media. But as far as watching the news to get information, I just can't do it because it, it stresses me out. And it's not good for my mental health, so I don't have news on in my house ever at all. And I am just, it's just up to me, especially with having a child, to teach him just be a good human. Love people and accept people for who they are. Don't try to change anyone. Let people be. We just want to be. Everyone just want to exist without any kind of stigma attached to it that, oh, oh my gosh, I wonder what, I wonder what. Of course, yes, be careful because bad people exist in every creed of people. But it is up to us, honestly, to be a good human. And fight for each other. And that's all we want at this point. Is I just want us all to fight for each other, no matter what situation is. And to, to make for a better world for everybody, for the future generations. Because even I ask myself, do I really want to have any more kids and bring them into this foolishness? I don't know. It's, it's something I, I've been asking myself as of recent. But we'll see. <laughs> I understand that, too. I, I don't have kids, but I understand that, too. Um I want to go back because I went way off track. I went way off track because I was asking you a question about my, originally I was asking you a question about you being in therapy in 2020. But before I even continue, I want to say one more thing to anyone listening who doesn't understand black lives matter, who screams all lives matter, all lives won't matter until black lives matter. And once you understand that it makes sense. You can't scream all lives matter when you're ignoring a group that's asking for help. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm a white guy explaining this. I hate doing that to, but is that a good explanation as a black woman? The way I just said it, like all, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. It's, it's like math. It's pretty easy to understand. 
I mean, it, it's pretty simple, Joe. This is not rocket science. No, it's not. So, I mean, what, I mean, what more do you have to explain? Like, it says it for itself. The mission is simple. We want all life to matter. That is the goal for humanity, for everyone to matter. But right now, for the last how many hundreds of years, one specific people of color have not mattered. We literally stereotype, prejudice, lack thereof of resources, lots of systematic racism. It's not just because of skin color. It's, it's just there's systematic racism happening, and we want it all to stop. And yes, we want all lives to matter, but black lives right now are not, so do not matter to people. And, if, and you have to check your privilege at the door and realize the truth. And a lot of people don't like the truth for some reason because it makes them uncomfortable. And guess what? It's time for you to be uncomfortable and be there for someone, for people of color who are saying to you, I want my life to matter. So you're right. It's definitely, like I said, not rocket science. All lives can't matter until black lives matter. So that's the message for the day. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the message of the day. But thank you for saying that. Thank you for correcting. Thank you for going above and beyond my statement because I appreciate that. Because I hate hate when white people try to, um, you know, Talk for black people. I really think that's ridiculous. But thank you. So thank you for for adding on to that. But my original question way back was you started therapy in 2020 in January. Has do you think that it has helped you right now today with everything that's going on? Oh my gosh, yes. I think I think everything is kismet to happen when it's supposed to. None of us knew that 2020 was going to take such a nosedive like this one. None of us. We didn't know that COVID was going to happen and shut the world down. We didn't know that we were going to see another black man and other black people being slaughtered in the streets and being just unfair treatment. We kept, we just didn't expect to see any of this and see our this president. I'm not even going to see our because I don't claim him, period. Um, I agree. Just, just. Just the whole entire scheme of what has happened. If I did not have therapy every single week, I honestly can't even tell you how I would fare. I have just broken down so many times um, over the last how many months about all this has happened. And I have looked forward to therapy every single week so that I can just throw up everything on my therapist and just, Get it out loud because holding it in causes tension. It causes stress. It causes stress. It causes un- just uncomfortable feelings. So I have just been so grateful and thankful that I've had an outlet every single week to just bare my soul and just say how I feel without feeling judged, without feeling uncomfortable, without feeling like I can't say this. So yes, therapy has been probably the best thing that I've needed to get through this year. And if I didn't have it, I don't know where I would be. I, I can't really tell you. I don't even know what that looks like. I just know it would be really bad. Just really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, after we finish this recording, I'm hopping on the phone with for my weekly therapy appointment also. So I'll okay. probably, yeah, so I'll probably get into the call and he'll be like, you seem calm today. I'll be like, well, I just had a <laughs> session. I already had a session. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I just actually, the funny thing, I on the phone, I just got my reminder from mine tomorrow. So, hey, we're, we're on it right now. Oh, yeah. On I it. Am. 
I um I usually spend about ten minutes talking. I'm so my therapist. He has like he hasn't had a haircut. He hasn't had a haircut in a while, so his hair is getting kind of long. And we spend ten minutes where I talk about how jealous I am of his hair. And then I'll usually say something like, "All right, enough of that. I'm about to make you work for your money today." Oh, um, and I usually and, and he's really good about that. But and so, that's, and that's honestly the honest thing. That's to me what I want as far as this the organization therapy that I've come up with is I really just want to provide an easier platform for flight attendants to really locate a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it is that you need in a safe and confidential place that they'll be able to be like, you know what, this exists for me to find someone. And I, and, and with the help of my peers, I can either be able to say, just like Joe or Nas say, hey, I have my therapist pretty much on speed dial. A lot of us don't have our therapist on speed dial. And I just want that for every single flight attendant. And that's, I don't really, the pilots, they get everything. So I'm not even focused on their work group because I'm not a pilot. I don't know what they're doing up there behind that steel door. I just know what happens on the other side. Right. And I just believe that we need to have something, someone, somewhere for flight attendants to be so that they can say, just like we do, I have a therapy appointment tomorrow because I need to talk about some things. And that's necessary. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The more the more you talk about it, and that's why I talk about it so much on the podcast. I love being like, oh, yeah, I'm in therapy. My therapist said, Steve said, mm-hmm. my therapist's name is Steve. He'd probably hate that I said that. But, um, <laughs> but I always say it because what I want is for people, just like you, starting your starting your page and your Facebook page, and your Instagram page. I want people to feel like, oh, okay. Oh, I can talk. Oh, I can talk about this. Because if you mm-hmm. noticed how, if somebody says I have cancer, oh, everyone, oh my God. Oh my God. And yes, cancer is horrific. It's the worst thing. It's terrible. I have cancer. People will bend over backwards for you. But if you're like, I'm bipolar or I have depression or I'm schizophrenic and I'm on medication, people are like, oh, Hmm. Can't you figure that out on your own? Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's this society like dish divide regarding like health issues physically and health issues mentally. And ladies and gentlemen, our brains are just like every other function in our body. And just like every other function of our body can screw up. So can our brains. And they need maintenance. And they need That's maintenance. Why we take Sometimes oh, yeah. they need medication. I mean, I take blood pressure medicine. Some people need to take medication for their depression. Some people need to take medication for schizophrenia. I could go on for days regarding healthcare. And when you see somebody screaming in the street who's homeless, mm-hmm. they're probably schizophrenic and don't have health care and can't afford the medication. That's what's going exactly. on. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with they're just a crazy person. They're they're Somebody who's not being taken care of. That's why. Exactly. That's why. And there is no shame in it. There is no shame if you need medication. There is no shame if you want to talk to somebody. There is no shame. And that's the thing. That's the part where we need to get to that there is no shame in getting help of any kind. H-E-L-P. There is help available to everyone. And if you need help with that, I am here. Aww. reach out to me on Facebook. I have a whole number and I pay for it out of my own pocket every single month that have a phone line available to flight attendants that they can ask for help. And it doesn't even have to be flight attendants. If you're listening and you're not a flight attendant, I am here and available to help you if you need any mental health resource or anything, or if you need me to make you laugh, give you a virtual hug, whatever it is, 
do not have to do this alone at all because me and Joe are here. And even though we're a little, you know, quirky, we still got lots and lots of gems that we can drop. Okay. (laughs) Don't be be having people email me with their problems now. God dang it. I'm I'm just trying to figure out my own shit. (laughs) Okay, it's okay. If they come to you, just send them to me. Send them I'm going like, to be like, thank you for following Flight Attendant Joe. Now I'm going to pass you on an ass. No. <laughs> no, that's serious. You definitely can. I will definitely not turn anybody away at all. Either, is, I feel like this neither has will been I. my purpose. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. This has been my purpose that I found, and it gives me great joy to want to bring people into this exclusive group of just wellness that I have found within myself over the last, what, six months. And I just want everyone to feel, you know, good at some point because it's never going to be perfect. But guess what? You're going to be given tools from your therapist that's going to help you to live. Because surviving is not the goal in life. Living is. And we, we want to stop people from surviving. We, if surviving takes a lot more work, oh, you know. it's exhausting. But we just, we just want you to wake up and live. And that's the goal in wellness is just wake up and live. And that's just my goal for every human being that breathes, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, when you're feeling sad, cause you know, I've had a rough couple of weeks, I think like a week and a half ago or a week ago when I reached out to you and I was like, Hey, will you come on the podcast? Cause I need a therapy session No, <laughs> But when I asked you to come on the podcast, um, I've had a rough couple of weeks, but I want to know how, when you're feeling sad, how do you get through it? What do you do? Do you have any tools that people could pick up on that they could, that could help them? Oh yeah, definitely. For me, I've been a big journaler for quite some years. Um, even when I didn't have my journal with me when I was flying, there's that notepad that's in um, your phone. I use that, but I write a lot. When I feel down, I write about it. Um, Music is another thing because I do sing. Um, I love to have music playing while I I write. Um, I light candles sometimes. But when I'm feeling sad, I usually either will sleep because sleeping shuts your brain down. But not everyone can do that. Like for me, that's been just my coping mechanism. I will write. I will sleep. I sometimes will take a walk. Um, I did a, a small live, maybe like a few weeks ago. I have a spot. It's at this park called the Eagle Creek State Park. And there's a really humongous reservoir. And they have a place where they have like bleacher benches that you can sit. And sometimes I'll just drive there and just sit out there and just be in my thoughts and just take a moment for myself. Sometimes if I, I really feel like I need somebody, I'll ask for help. That is something that takes practice, but I'll just be like, guys, I don't feel really well today. Like, or my dad, he'll pick up on my energy and be like, hey, come take a drive with me. So it just depends on who you're close with. But those are three really great things that I use my music, my writing, and my secret spot. So nobody really knows I even go there because I just go there on impulse. So my big thing is music, writing, and my favorite spot. And that spot is super beautiful. One of these days, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to tag you in it. It's so uh-huh. nice over there. It's quiet, and you can see the people out on the water. Or, But you can just hear the wind in the trees and the sunlight and just the wind blowing. It's, it's 
very, very beautiful. So I just try to center myself when I get sad and just try to tell myself, Nastasia, you can shift, shift, shift. Because a lot of it is a choice, but not everyone has been given the tools to do that. And it takes a lot of maturity over time to become inward and learn more about yourself. But I definitely think a good start for anyone who is feeling sad about anything, write it down. Put it on a piece of paper, write it down, and throw it away. I usually do that sometimes. I'll write stuff down, and then I've let it go on the paper, and I just close the book, or I'll tear it out, and I throw it away. So it, it just depends. Some people exercise. Some people do yoga. I don't really have the patience for yoga, so I don't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's just so many different things that you can do for yourself. And I just think you need to start with what you like. You know, if you like to, even if you want to eat some ice cream to feel better, eat it, you know, and don't feel bad. But I think doing what you like is a great thing. And mm-hmm. I, I just from listening to you. I know that you like doing podcasts, you know, like this is like your niche and it feels natural. And I think it makes you happy. So I just think people should really focus on their strengths and what makes them happy and what makes them feel centered. And journaling and music and my spot has been that for me for the last maybe like, I would say years or a nice. couple of years that I've been doing that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my own personal um, help me tools. <laughs> I know that's great. Um, I'm a huge advocate of journaling. I've been journaling for years. I think it's so cathartic to get all mm-hmm. those thoughts, no matter how dark or scary they are, you write them down. It's almost mm-hmm. like you, when you write them down, it the energy's flowing out of you. And I, I know this sounds a little quirky, but it flows out of you into the pencil, into the paper. And you kind of, you kind of own it a little bit more. I think you think, Oh yeah. Like I'm okay enough to write this down. No one's going to read it. I'm okay. You just get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but something, oh, I, yeah. yeah. And music and walking. I love to go in the woods. Um, I like to not be around other people. If I'm feeling sad, something that I've mm-hmm. learned recently was to, I've spent so many years, if I was feeling sad, I don't like to use the word depressed because I'm not clinically depressed. And that is actually <laughs> a diagnosis. So I, right. and I don't want to say, Oh, I'm feeling down today. I'm depressed. Cause then that kind of like, drowns out people who really do suffer from depression. There's people who can't get out of bed sometimes. I'm not one right. of those people. Some days I just get sad and I don't have motivation and I'm like, fuck everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've spent so many years trying to fight those emotions. Like I will mm-hmm. fight the emotion. Like I'm sad. Oh, I've, I've got to snap out of this. And recently I've learned like, you know what? You don't have to snap out of it right now, Joe. Just just let the ride the emotion like it's a roller coaster ride. Just do what mm-hmm. you if you just want to sit in the hammock and not even and just stare up at the clouds for four hours, do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you want to take a nap at if you woke up at 9 a.m. and you want to take a nap at 10:30, do it. Just ride the emotion. And I have found right. that just happened to me the other day. I was just very anxious and very stressed and sad, which I think is the, you know the description of 2020. And so instead of, and I had a whole list of things to do for the day, you know, I'm writing a new book. I have to schedule podcast people. And I just said, you know what? I ain't going to do shit. I'm just going to, I'm going to be sad today. I'm going to ride the motion. I'm going to see how I feel tomorrow. And when I woke up in the morning, I felt much better. Right. And I'll just give you one little, little fact. Um, Depression is actually both a brain disorder and a state of mind. 
So even though you're not diagnosed, your state of mind can be depressed as well. Okay. So for anyone that feels like, you know, they feel depressive, it is actually a real thing. It doesn't mean that you, because I am, I have been clinically depressed before Mm -hmm. to the point where now I, it's more of a state of mind that comes and goes for me where I just feel loss of this energy concentrating and just, just feeling low, you know, so it can be both, honestly. And both of them are, there's nothing wrong with it. To be, especially the state of mind, that is something normal because so many different factors affect our state of mind, whether that be loss of a job, going through a divorce, just, just even problems in your relationship can have a depressive state on your, in your mind, on your mind frame, you know? So it's, it's just a matter of, because even my therapist, she asked me, she was like, do you, you know, do you want to like do some medication for X, Y, Z? I'm like, no, I'm good. It's not like the point where I need to be taking something for it. Mm-hmm. But she was like, well, then we can work on other things that we can help you with that. So it's just the brain is such an amazing place. And but it's so vast and it's still being worked on. And people are still trying to do research on it because it's so vast that we still haven't figured everything out. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, absolutely. yeah. this is there, there is hope for it. There is hope for all of these mental illnesses or state of mind. There's hope for anxiety. There's hope for depression. There's hope for schizophrenia, bipolar. There's hope for all of it. We are just now really diving deep into, oh my gosh, there's something that can be done about it and there's help out there. And us talking about this is the help that somebody probably needs. And I've always said, even if we help one person, that's enough. That's it. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you can connect to one person, if you can just connect to one person, then it's worth it. If you save one person or help one person, I I truly believe that. I think it's all worth it. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Like like putting yourself out there because you have to think like people like you and I, we're, we're sharing so much with people and sure it helps us because it does help to talk, but also we're putting ourselves out on the line so that mm-hmm. other people will feel comfortable with their own business. You know, Definitely. I you know, I was I was raped by my adopted father from the age of four to 15, 14, 15. And oh goodness, I share it so all the time. I talk about it all the time. And I've had people say, Why would I would never talk about that? I was like, mm-hmm. Well, I talk about it because for one, I know it's not my fault. Um, mm-hmm. and number two, if I can reach out to one person who listens and says, Oh, you know what? That happened to me. And I've always thought I was, it was my fault. I, cause a lot of people who were raped as children, even as adults, mm-hmm. they blame themselves. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have worn this, or maybe I was too provocative. No, no, mm-hmm. it, there's no excuse for being raped. You're never, it's never your fault. Um, but if I can reach out to one person who says, you know what, that happened to me. And I've spent 30 years blaming myself. Maybe I shouldn't blame myself and maybe I should talk to somebody about it. Then everything that I've been talking about since, you know, I, I actually came out of the closet at 16 and I also started talking about that I was molested as a child at 16. Mm -hmm. So for 31 years, I've been like, no, no, that happened to me. If all of that, wow. if all of that talking and openness helps one person, then I'm, then I'm happy. Then I'm happy. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And that, and that's pretty much, and I think when we get to that point where it's not about us anymore, you know, because I literally just talked to my therapist about this the other day. I was saying, I was asking her, you know, 
I stop asking why all these things happen to me and saying why not. Because you never know what your story can do for somebody else. You know? Like, so many people feel like there's no way out and they decide, you know what? I want to sleep forever. I no longer want to feel these things anymore. You know, 44,000 Americans die by suicide every single year. You know, it literally happens like every 40 seconds to 12 minutes. Oh, it's so sad. Around the world. It's very sad. And it's because people literally are in such a dark place that they don't realize. But us telling our stories and saying, you know what, this happened to me too, but yet I'm here and I'm pushing through. And how can I help you to push through too? So you telling your story, you sharing that, I, I applaud your authenticness and your ability to just be like, you know what, hey, this is what happened to me. And you don't feel any shame in it anymore because there are things that happened to me where I felt sh- shameful, you know, about being molested as a child and things of that nature that I, I can talk about it now because I've finally dealt with it in therapy and I'm trying to heal that little girl on the inside because that little person is never going to go away. The little boy that's within you is mm-hmm. never going to go away. But it's about us facing them and be like, you know what? I see you and I'm going to heal you so that I can move forward in my life. Absolutely. So this is, this, is just, this is just one thing that even us having this conversation is helping me, you know, push through in life and know that I'm not alone. And it doesn't even matter how old we are, you know, that we all have a story to tell. And I am willing to tell the whole world. You know, and right. I'm just really just so happy that, you know, you reached out to me for us to even have these important conversations because everyone is so silent about it. But I am willing to be, be sacrificial and just let it all out and say to anyone who's listening that there is help and there are people just like you who are willing to tell and willing to be there for you if you need it. Do you love yourself? Oh, yeah, now, yes. I do love myself now. Do I have still more ways to go? Most definitely. But I can say in this very moment, I do love myself. Um, I still struggle. And, like, I'll tell you one thing I struggle with, and this is me being super transparent. I struggle with doing live and going on my own platform because, (laughs) because I just, I don't know. It's just something within, I think it's just me sabotaging myself and saying, mm, nobody wants to see you, Nastasia. Like, it's just, it's just, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody, so I, that's something I still struggle with. Even though I'm okay, I would rather be behind the scenes and just throw out information versus showing my face. So that's something I've been working on in therapy of mm. not being fearful of what will be. Because I, I don't have a problem with saying or talking about it. It's just that that is still something that I'm working on, and I'm, I've gotten better at it. But I would like to be better at it and not think so much. Right. So, but other than that, I am very pleased with my journey with my own self and what I have been able to accomplish with with dealing with my own personal childhood traumas and trauma I've faced in my adult years and things of that nature. But yeah, for the most part, I would pretty much think I'm pretty great. I <laughs> love that. I love that. And you know, now, and I'm glad that you're working on being more face to face with people because now that you have this platform and you started this, there's no going back. You really can't go back now. Even no. if, <laughs> even if you got furloughed in October, I think that, 
because you know once you're a flight attendant it's really in your dna forever i think that you know you're going to continue it's almost like you're going to continue this because when you talk i hear the passion in you because it's almost Ooh, like great. you found something it's almost like you opened up this present and you were like, oh my God, this has been under my tree my entire life and I'm finally now getting to it and opening it. And a lot of people are afraid to open that therapy present or open up the thing that says, all right, you know, I have to face this now. Because once you acknowledge the pain or you acknowledge your sadness, depression, whatever, you really have to work on it. You have Definitely. to, you have to. Um, I just love that you came on this podcast and I want to thank you so much for being so open and honest. And you know, you're coming back. I don't know if you know this, you are going to come back oh because right at the beginning of the episode, you talked about your childhood trauma and I wrote mm -hmm. it down and I was like, we, we're not going to be able to get it to today, but she's coming back because I love childhood trauma. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's terrible. But I went through it so I can joke about it. It's like I can joke about gay jokes. So, um, mm -hmm. but before I let you go, my dear, I'm going to play a round of Let's Get Grounded, where you pick an airline. I'm going to name a bunch of airlines off. You pick one and then you answer the question. It's very easy, I promise. Oh, my God. Okay. No, okay. no, it's okay. Oh, my God. You just went through all this and this is what's freaking you out. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay. They're very, they're airline themed questions, so they won't be difficult. Okay. okay. JetBlue, American Airlines, Southwest, Alaska, and or Frontier. Just pick one. Just pick mm. one. Anyone. Let's go with, I'm not trying to go for the most obvious. Let's, let's go Alaska. Alaska. All right. Are you an aisle, window, or middle seat traveler? I am a window. Mm. It's because you're young. No, it's because I want to sleep and oh. have my head on something. <laughs> See, when I was your age, when I was just young, I liked the window to sleep. Now that I'm old, I have to be in the aisle because I got to pee every 15 minutes. Oh, uh-uh. See, that's the thing. I want to be in the window because that too. The person that wants to use the restroom, I don't want to be have to get up and I don't have <laughs> to get up from by the window because I don't have. I usually use the restroom before I fly anyway. Oh. And I don't get up. I don't move. I don't ask for anything. I just want to put my face mask on and go straight to sleep. Oh, no. I usually get in my aisle seat and then I tell the other two, I'm like, hi, listen, if I fall asleep or whatever, you just wake me up. But I love the freedom of being able to get up when I want. As long as the seatbelt signs off, people don't be getting up when it's on. Cause we'll, right. you'll get I'm stuck. like, Oh, you're one of those. You <laughs> like to move around. No, huh? no, no. Oh my God. I used to freak out. Like if I sat down and then I forgot something in the overhead, like if I put through my tote bag in the overhead bin and then I was like, Oh shit, I forgot my headphones. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit here because I can't get up. If I get up, then I'm no better than everyone else. So now I got to sit here and be bored. Oh my goodness. Um, Nas, can you please share with everyone listening how they can follow you on Instagram and Facebook? And you said there's a phone number you have where people can reach out yes. to share that information. I'll also put it in the description of the podcast episode too. Oh yeah, sure. So if you would like to follow along, if you are a flight attendant, it doesn't matter what airline you are, go ahead and follow the group on Facebook. It's TH. And it has two long lines in the middle, A-I-R-A-P-Y. And also on Instagram at therapy, T-H dot A-I-R dot A-P-Y. 
Also, if you want to join the community line, the phone number is 773-345-9669. If you ever need any resources, just want to vent, or anything specifically mental health related, just go ahead and text that number. And I will be, I answer it pretty much every single day. Um, and just reach out even on Facebook on Facebook, on Instagram, like I'm pretty much on there all day, every single day. I have the time. I'm on leave. I'm at home. Mm. But yeah, so if you ever need anything, just know that someone like me now is here and willing to just be there for you and, you know, facilitate you on your mental health journey. So yeah, thanks, Joe. What, what is that? Can can you <laughs> you made me laugh. What is that text? What is that phone number to text again? It is 773 345-9669. Thank you so much, Ness. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. You're doing great work, and I promise you, people are going to appreciate all this time and effort you're putting into helping others. So thank you from oh, me definitely. to you. Thank you. And thanks for coming on the show and making me get oh. up crack ass and dawn. No. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You have a great day and please take care. And you are coming back on this show soon. I would love to be back. And until then, I'll see you on the next one. All right, honey. You take care. Bye bye now. All right then. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.